0: You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast, where we celebrate vulnerability and shameless living. No topic is off limits when you're chatting with your besties. Let's own our worth and walk empowered towards truth together. Hey, y'all, it's Catherine, and I am so excited for today's guest on the podcast because I have been fangirling over her for quite some time. I want to say like two years. I've followed her on Instagram, and I just love her messaging. Um, her name's Victoria Myers. She is the owner of Nourishing Minds Nutrition, and she speaks on whole body wellness along with the um, method of intuitive eating, which Chelsea and I have touched on f- quite a few times on this podcast, but I don't think we've ever been able to like fully put a definition to it. And I just really think you're gonna love her um, verbiage behind it, her knowledge behind it. She has studied, this for years and is a registered dietitian and nutritionist and teaches on this so just the way that she verbalizes things that we've been practicing is really it was really cool for us to just kind of be reminded of why we eat the way we eat and why we nourish our bodies the way that we do and anyways you're gonna love it but I couldn't get into that interview without starting with some shameless spills. This for those of you who are new to our podcast, this is a new segment. Um, or if you're old to our podcast, this is a new segment that um, we kind of implemented a couple episodes ago. Where basically every Sunday, I ask on Instagram, I put one of those little question boxes up, and I ask like for a confession, and it's usually around like a specific topic, so like most embarrassing moment, worst first date. You know, we get a theme going and then the answers that come in are truly speaking of nourishment, nourishing for my soul. They are hilarious and so like vast and they range from all the things. And so it's really cool because I'm the only one that can see who's saying them. And so it's cool that people trust me with these confessions. Um, So we decided to create a segment on our podcast where we Um, called Shameless Spills, where we share about three of those confessions each week so that y'all can get a little chuckle in too. So I am going to do that right now. Um, Okay, so one of the questions that I asked a couple weeks ago was, what is something that you did that your parents still haven't found out about? Which is actually a really... um, Uh, There are definitely, sorry mom, some things that you probably haven't found out about. Although I am an open book, I'm sure there's got to be some things where I'm like, "Mm, probably never going to let that one out of the bag. But people let some stuff out of the bag for me, let me tell you. There was a theme with putting dents in their parents' cars. Um, Lots of backing up in the driveway and putting a dent in the car or putting dents in other people's cars and driving away, which is a crime. So hopefully you've grown and learned um, not to be a criminal since high school. But the first one is put a dent in both of their cars in high school, which is just tragic to hit both of them. And the fact that they still haven't found out about that is maybe a little sad, but I don't know. We'll um, we'll just leave that up to you. If, you, if you're if you listening and you wrote that, maybe that's something you want to pray about and like confess to them. <laughs> um, this second one is like a whole... Other level of parents not finding out about something because it is deep, y'all. Okay, so this person said that they hired a lawyer and got out of an MIP, which for those of you who don't know what that means, it means minor in possession, usually with alcohol. So they hired a lawyer and got out of an MIP senior year of high school. They were wrongly accused, which is not good that they were wrongly accused, and they got off. This 18, 17, 18 year old, however you are, how old, however old you are, senior year of high school, hired a lawyer on their own and got out of a charge. That is something that high school Catherine would have never been capable of doing because I like can't even put oil in my car now without calling my dad and being like, how do I do this again? So, I mean, honestly, props to you. That was like a whole other level of um, responsibility as a senior year in high school. Okay. Last but not least. Um, I feel like probably a lot of people have had a crush on one of their siblings' friends, um, especially if it's an older sibling. But this person actually made out with her brother's best friend on the stairs of their house while he was having a sleepover with her brother. And her brother and her parents never found out. Now that is good. Really good. Really, really sneaky. Honestly, proud of you on this one, too. We are going to keep these shameless spills coming. If you have any shameless spills or confessions that you want to um, be read anonymously on the podcast, go ahead and email us at heartandsoulpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Okay, before we get into our amazing interview and conversation with Victoria Myers, we are going to take a second here to shout out one of our brand new sponsors for 2021. Okay, so I know that we are all super busy and we have crazy schedules, but let's be real. We all find time to take a little break here and there, maybe scroll through Instagram or scroll through TikTok. Well, y'all, let me tell you about my newest obsession and it takes away my scrolling time, but man, it challenges my mind. I am officially obsessed and pretty much use all my free time During the day, which isn't a ton, but I can get some levels done. I use all my free time now to play Best Fiends. I'm sure you've heard about it. That's Best Fiends. It's friends without the R, so Fiends. It's a top rated mobile puzzle adventure and possibly the best puzzle game I've ever played. And I actually am a fan of games on the iPhone. It's a great little escape. Um, And this app has just brought it to a whole new level for me. It has a world full of lovable characters that are honestly, they make the most hilarious sounds and they have really funny names. Um, they have th- There's thousands of levels and the more content that gets added all the time. So it's constantly changing and evolving, um, which I really, really love. I actually just started playing the game like right before Christmas and I'm already at level 30 and I'm not sure if I'm embarrassed or proud of myself, but I'm going to go with proud because I find this to be a really fun new obsession that doesn't um ruin my mind with scrolling. So, I'm proud, okay? Um yeah, so there's really, like I said, there's really hilarious characters. Basically, it's a puzzle game where you have to go in and beat levels with um different like tools that they give you. So, they give you like a goal each round and then you have to beat it. And the best part is if you get your friends to play you can kind of compete with them from a distance um, and create it and just kind of keep it like fun and interesting so um i actually need to get chelsea and i to compete i wonder what level she's on um does anyone else in your life play best fiends because you can start that friendly competition today like i said best fiends is the can't put it down mobile puzzle game that is free to download that's right i said it it's free to download with over 100 million downloads, this five-star-rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Once you download Best Fiends, you really, you truly can't put it down. I mean, you should for some like at some point just to, like get work done, but like then pick it back up again and continue beating the levels because it truly is one of those can't put it down games. Get used to telling yourself just one more level. I've been doing that. I've accepted that this is my new life now, and I'm here for it. So if you are worried about getting If you're worried about beating all the levels, don't worry because they're constantly adding levels all the time. And right now there are 5,000 puzzle levels and counting. So, I mean, I'm only at level 30, which means I have, you know, 4,000, however, I'm not good at math, just like almost 5,000 more to go. So I think I'm good with time. Um, There's always another update, whether it's more levels, new events or other Changes to the game based on fan feedback. So when you're playing, be sure to give some fan feedback and they will continue to make it better and better as if it could get any better. Um, All you have to do is download Best Fiends. It's free, like I said, a free download. Download that today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Like I said, that's Best Fiends, which is friends without the R. So go to your Apple App Store or Google Play and download Best Fiends today. Okay, now on to our amazing interview and conversation with the one and only Victoria Myers. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of season three of Heart and Soul Podcast. Chelsea and I are here with the wonderful Victoria Myers, and y'all are going to get to hear her story and what she does today. And I am pumped. Hey, Victoria.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm pumped too.
0: Yeah. Um, I actually um, did not tell you this because I didn't want to seem um, freaky or stalker-ish, but I have been following you for like two years.
1: <laughs> on That's Instagram. so cool. Yeah.
0: One of my soul fitness girls, which is the business that I run, she actually recommended me follow you because a lot of what you preach on Instagram and your mission lines up with how I coach when it comes to like teaching women or, or just informing women on like how to nourish your body, um, and not be obsessed with it. So I've been following you for like a couple years now.
1: (laughs) Oh, well that literally makes my day to hear that. I'm so honored to hear that.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay, so Victoria Myers is the owner of Nourishing Minds Nutrition, and she also has a podcast called Nourishing Women. Is that correct? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's correct.
0: Um, And she focuses on coaching and teaching women about intuitive eating, which is a topic that we have touched on here, but we do not know the depths of it like she does. So we're excited for y'all to learn a little bit more about what intuitive eating means and how you can apply it to your life every day. Um, so welcome Victoria. Why don't you uh take a second to introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit more about what you do?
1: Yeah, of course. Well, thank you guys for having me, Catherine and Chelsea and excited for everyone listening. I obviously love talking about intuitive eating so much. So this is so fun to get the opportunity to do this. But yeah, like you said, I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist. It's interesting though, I describe myself as a non-diet dietitian though, and that might be new for some of your listeners to hear it described that way. But basically what that means is I don't prescribe any diets and never recommend people to diet or lose weight. I focus on intuitive eating and really educating my clients, my online course students and podcast listeners on what exactly that means. Because I feel like there's a lot of like fluff information out there about intuitive eating it can feel really confusing as to like what exactly that means so we spend a lot of time doing that in our virtual practice nourishing minds, nutrition you mentioned this but um we not only teach intuitive eating but we also see a lot of uh, digestion issues and hormonal imbalances such as people like who, people who lose their period it's called hypothalamic anorrhea and the reason we do that is it tends to correlate a lot when have disordered eating or orthorexia which is the unhealthy obsession with eating healthy it tends to affect the way the body like physically works so we do a lot of intuitive eating digestion and hormonal work in our practice and again kind of in the online course world too we do some of that stuff so that's that's basically me in a nutshell and otherwise i'm a mama of an 18 month old and i just moved to south carolina a year ago and I'm, i'm loving it here after living in florida for about eight years
0: where in South Carolina are you?
1: Yeah, Greenville, South Carolina.
0: I've been there.
1: Very cool. And are you guys both, r- remind me where you guys live.
0: We're in Wilmington, North
1: Carolina. We're both at Wilmington. Okay, very cool.
2: Jordan, yeah. my husband's brother just moved to Greenville, South Carolina as well. He started a uh, addiction recovery center down there.
1: That's incredible. So cool. I've been to Wilmington one time and loved it, which is so funny because I actually grew up in North Carolina. If you guys know of this very small town, Salisbury, yeah, I grew up such a small town, but yeah, so I've actually only been to Wilmington once though. And I love it so much though. It was, it was a beautiful place to visit.
0: I actually used to date a guy who's from Salisbury and I spent two Christmases there.
1: (laughs) Small world. Oh my goodness.
0: It is, a, it is a tiny town outside of Charlotte, for sure.
1: Yes. <laughs> um,
0: okay, so how did you get into, tell us a little bit about your story. Like, how did you become passionate about intuitive eating? Like, what led you to this place?
1: Of course. So, my story, as I think is true with so many of us that own businesses in this world, it's very rooted in my own personal journey. So, um, if I look back, I never have ever had a normal relationship with my food or my body choices. I think that's true for so many of us as women. I think from a really young age, we're taught to diet or not really feel enough in our own skin. I was definitely surrounded by a lot of people in my family who dieted and just kind of was always around that that type of mindset of like you want to be losing weight even from a really young age unfortunately but when I was 16 I really started to dabble in dieting and unfortunately developed pretty quickly disordered eating because dieting for so many of us leads to that and, and you know from the age of about 16 to about 25 26 I was constantly struggling with some form of disordered eating it was either restrict and binge eating or I was going from one diet plan to the next or maybe another clean eating plan I was always you know kind of what, trying to find the perfect diet so I could have the perfect body, right? That's a similar story so many of us have, but, um, not only restricting binge eating and disordered eating, but I think if I look back at my story, the most prevalent thing I really struggled with was orthorexia. I just mentioned a little bit ago, that's the unhealthy obsession with eating healthy. And that's honestly the way a lot of the eating disorders these days manifest themselves is with this obsession with, you know, having the perfect quote unquote diet. And as I look back, I really think that was probably the most consistent thing that I struggled with. And for me, it was very, very rooted in body image issues and affected a lot about my um, body. And the way it works. The reason why we do a lot of digestion and hormone work in my practice is because I too struggled with a lot of those things, but I have to be honest. I'm so grateful for those experiences that I had because what happened when I was around 25, 26, this is about six or so years ago is i had had a breaking point and just kind of woke up one day actually after a year long of restricting for my wedding. And I went on my honeymoon and binge ate unfortunately the entire time. And I had, I had a breaking point, you know, I woke up and was like, this has got to stop. Like there has to be a better way to live my life. And that breaking point led me to do a bunch of research on intuitive eating. And I, I, um, think it's so cool that I am a dietitian because what happened was I learned about this intuitive eating thing and just like fully immersed myself in it and was able to really educate myself on it. That way I could heal myself first. And then after a few years of healing, I started a blog and then an Instagram account. And then I started my own private practice. And now I am where I am today, where I get to help Hundreds of women do this intuitive eating work and heal their body image. And like I mentioned to heal their digestion and hormone too. So very, very rooted in my own personal story. And the fact that I too once struggled with this and I too once felt like I had to feel perfect with my body and my diet and just, you know, in so many other areas too. I think when you're a dietitian, it's a very unfortunately common to feel like you have to kind of look the part so to speak so I think that was also part of why I also felt that way so much but again so excited because now I get to kind of preach the opposite of that which is so wonderful and I get to really show that like dietitians aren't perfect and also there's no such thing as being perfect and having health we call it in our our uh, community, we call it wellness without obsession. Having health that is not obsessive and non-dogmatic is where true health and well-being lies. And it is like the, seriously like the best job of the world to get to promote this message to other people.
0: Yeah. I love that you use the slogan, I guess, wellness without obsession. Cause I think that is, I think that typically wellness or this idea of being healthier starts from actually a really pure and innocent place, right? Like I just want to, you know, clean up my eating habits or move more, but then it like quickly becomes obsession if you're not monitoring it, mm-hmm. um, because you're monitoring it too much on the unhealthy end. So I love that it's you can still be well, you can still be healthy, but you don't have to obsess over it every day. I too struggled with, um, I would call it orthorexia. I was obsessed with eating healthy and obsessed with exercising. Um, and that's kind of what led to me trying to change the way that women exercise mindset wise. But yeah, I think it, it's crazy how quickly for me it turned from, I just want to lose a couple pounds that I gained in college to, oh, I'm addicted. You know, this is like a true addiction that I'm stuck in. Um, so how did you, were you already a dietitian or a nutritionist before you went on your honeymoon and had that awakening or was it you went to school after that?
1: No, no, I was already a dietitian. So I, when I went to school, I was already a nutrition major. I actually got my credentials pretty early on. I feel like it's really unusual. I was about 22 whenever I became a registered dietitian nutritionist. So I was definitely struggling for what, like the first four or five, six years of being a dietitian, which is honestly like pretty common. A lot of dietitians struggle and you can probably uh, relate to this. Like you mentioned, you know, on a, anytime you're in the health and fitness world, there definitely is this Feeling as if you need to look and act the part, and people expect you to look look a certain way. Unfortunately, and um, yeah, I was a dietitian for a while, and I think that maybe for me at least was part of why it was easy. Once I did decide to immerse myself in the opposite perspective, it was easy because I had a lot of that background of nutrition. I was able to read the research on uh, why diets don't work and really be able to understand that. And I was pretty. I feel fortunate I was able to heal pretty quickly myself. I don't know that that's true for all people. I think sometimes we do need one-on-one or um, online courses to help learn that. But for for me, I just, uh, I immersed myself so quickly in it and uh, really, you know, read all the literature on it, was able to do that maybe because I was a dietitian. But uh, yeah, so I was a dietitian for quite a bit before and was definitely, definitely struggling for a while as a dietitian and feeling as if I needed to like do all the clean eating plans and trends out there. Um, Yeah.
0: Do you think that you initially went into nutrition and um, dietitian and being a dietitian because you were so obsessed with clean eating?
1: A thousand percent. Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted I remember when I was sixteen and I found out that there was this profession called being a dietitian. I was like, holy shit. Sorry if you can't cuss on the show, but holy shit. <laughs> I cannot believe I just found a job where I can like learn once and for all how to fix my body. Like this is perfect. Sign me up. Um and there were so many parts about it I loved and still do. Like I love the nutrition and I love science and I love research and I love the counseling side of it, especially now this day, that's much more of the work I do is counseling, but it definitely, definitely was getting that side of myself where I wanted to learn all the things I could so that I could eat, quote unquote perfectly.
0: Yeah, man. It, so it's kind of like, it's kind of like living in hiding, you know, like you're telling people, this is what I want to become. This is the career I'm taking in an effort to, for people to believe that you are healthy when really your mind is is so invested in the negative aspect of it. So.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's so interesting. That's probably one of the questions I get most often whenever I'm a guest on podcasts and transparency is important, I think. And I honestly think most dietitians struggle. Like maybe we could not say, let's, I don't know that I want to speak for every dietitian out there, but many dietitians struggle with this. And I think that's true of any healthcare profession. There is this feeling as if you need to act and look the part. And, um, it's why I'm so passionate about talking about it because I know I'm not alone in that experience because I've heard from so many women that have had a similar experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am, I still struggle to this day with like oh, I've gained, I gained weight in 2020 and I'm a fitness coach. Like, what does that look like? Are people going to stop coming to my gym because I don't look the part? It's so, I mean, it's silly that these negative thoughts still come into our head, even when you do feel healed, even though we're always healing.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing about healing, right? Is we learn that it's not necessarily that negative thoughts such as body image thoughts go away entirely. It's more the ability to recognize them for what they are and just reframe the thoughts or not act upon them. Um, but yeah, I have a, I hear a lot from fitness instructors. I almost wonder if it's worse for you guys than it is for even us, because I feel like it's rampant in your community to like, feel like really it'd be expected for you to look a very specific way. And I hate it, but I also think that's such an exciting, change that we could also ask is like hey like I can also show that like health comes in all shapes and sizes and health comes in all abilities of, of ways that we can move
2: our bodies too. I was just gonna say that too because I used to work full-time in fitness I don't anymore but when I graduated college and started my first job I was like oh my gosh okay like I'm gonna have to watch what I eat all the time and like I would be scared to eat anything in my office that my clients could see me eating and you know, you really feel like you have to set this example and look like you're super strong in order to be telling other people how they should be moving their bodies. And then obviously the longer I worked in the field, the the more I realized that that's absolutely not the case. And and like you said, strength comes in all different sizes and shapes and in starting to work Um, I work at a studio now like I was mentioning before just like once a week kind of still dip my toes in that in that industry and I was like you know what I'm more proud now to sure some people might still look at me as fit in in their eyes or in their perspective or whatever but like the fact that I'm not showing up there size zero with like a six-pack I want to be that coach that people are like oh I don't if she can do that, I can do that, I don't have to look like X, Y, and Z, and she's, if she's the teacher, then, then heck, it just kind of lowers the, that standard a little bit of what it takes, what it, what fitness really means to people. See, that's, that's what excites
1: me, like, the, I really think, like, people like you guys and all of us talking about this and like being that example, like that's how we create a ripple effect in the world. Like that is how we really create change where we're able to be like, Hey, like you don't have to look this part or even to feel as if you have to look like your fitness instructor or look like your yoga teacher or look like your dietitian. Like we can just celebrate the fact that we are all so beautifully unique. And I feel like that's really how we create momentum in this, in this, uh, this change we're trying to create. Like, so that's so exciting for me to hear that. And thank you guys for the work y'all doing helping with that?
0: I, you know, I think as negative as social media can be, I really have enjoyed seeing a shift on social media towards um, intuitive eating, towards moving for strength instead of a size, um, towards like whole body wellness. I have, I have really appreciated and definitely noticed a shift and it's, it's who you follow too, right? Like I follow those accounts. So I'm obviously seeing that, that positive energy and getting that confidence boost from that. But Um, I, I really think this movement is only going to get like stronger and, and like more intense. And I, and I like pray that once my children one day are grown up, that they don't have to think that they need to fit into a certain standard or certain size in order to fit in, you know?
1: Oh, I couldn't agree more. I'm a mom of an 18-month-old, like I mentioned, and that is that is my why behind everything that I do is I do not want my daughter growing up in a world where she feels like she has to conform or that she has to spend even an ounce of her energy trying to make her body look a certain way. Like she is going to change the world. She does not need to be spending her time. Doing anything outside of like what is important to her to do. So, because I feel like I wasted so much of my time and energy, and um, I'm grateful because it led me to where I am, but at the same time, like it's just not where I, th- I want the future generation focusing on.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, if you could put a definition behind intuitive eating, what would you say?
1: okay i actually love this question because no one asked it and i think it's actually really important to understand like what the definition of intuitive eating is because there actually is one um the way that we would best describe it and i will have to say this comes from two dietitians their name are evelyn tripoli and elise Rice. thank goodness for them they actually created intuitive eating back in the 1990s it's been around for that long they've had four iterations of their book now and you definitely want to make sure you're getting the final iteration because they as we all have, have learned and grown and evolved in our belief systems, but intuitive eating was created by them back, like I said, in the 1990s. It's considered, I think the best way to describe it and the best definition is is a self-care eating framework. So what that means is we recommend people taking care of themselves because health behaviors do matter. Um, Sometimes that's a misconception people have is that we're telling people just to eat whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want for the rest of their lives. And while unconditional permission to eat is important, that's not the whole story of the picture. So again, it's, it's basically allowing your yourself to listen to your body through a self-care eating framework. And you can think of it as basic actions of self-care, not self-control. And I mentioned health behaviors. That's a big part of it too. This is a weight neutral approach, which means we're not telling people that they need to be a particular body size in order to have health. They're just focusing on their behaviors instead of weight as a means to attain health. Um, another quick, uh, real quick definition I could give is It's a dynamic integration of emotion, instinct, and rational thought. So it involves a lot of different types of ways we take care of ourselves. A lot of times when people hear the term intuitive eating, they think it just means Intuitively eating, but actually it does involve for sure intuition, but it does also involve rational thought, making you know decisions based off of your day and your life and how you need to take care of yourself, and also thinking even of emotion and how that plays into how we respond and take care of ourselves. And there are 10 principles. If you're wanting to learn more, we talk all about the principles on my podcast and various platforms. And like I just mentioned too, there is a book by the two founders, Evelyn Chiboli and Elise Rice.
0: Wow, I just learned a lot.
2: <laughs> oh, um, get, you're on mute. <laughs> sorry, yeah, I realize I'm still <laughs> muted. I'm doing that in between the little man whines. Um, I love how you say rational thought, yeah, no. and and what did you say self care instead of self control? Because if if you're thinking about it in the terms of diets. They are about self-control and willpower, and do you have discipline to control yourself? And that is all rooted in what we talk about on this podcast, and that's guilt and shame, and you're destined to forever feel like a failure. So, and, and Catherine and I usually will talk about how we more try to eat intuitively, but I don't think we've ever really been able to put it into words so eloquently, or like really give our listeners quite that type of a definition because it's just kind of what we've. Adapted to, and we obviously don't have the background and the knowledge that you do, but it's been so interesting and awesome to have professionals come on here and reiterate that it is real and it's not just this like woo-woo manifestation, do what you ever, whatever you want type of (laughs) diet thing. You know what I mean? Oh, for
1: sure. And by the way, I love the woo-woo and I love like intuition and all that stuff. I'm definitely like a science-minded woo-woo person. However, it is evidence-based. There's actually over 120 studies to back up intuitive eating. So it's not just like someone one day decided like screw diets, let's just say that they don't work. No, like it's actually rooted in the research and evidence-based practice. And I do think that's important because people obviously like, it's just so different than what we're being told. So I do think it's important to have the research to back it up. But, um, yeah, I, I I appreciate Chelsea that you recognize the rational thought part of it too. People are often surprised when I say that, but I'm like, think about it like this. Like if you are, you know, a busy mom or you work a nine to five job, like rational thought means you need to plan some meals and snacks or take some food with you. Like all of that is considered into intuitive eating. And again, if you focus on this idea of self-care, not self-control, you know, thinking about what you're going to eat and being intentional with how you eat is a part of that mindset of self-care, not self-control.
0: Right. And we've all eaten or acted out of irrational thought. And for me, it usually looks like binging. It usually looks like, um, restricting, restricting, restricting until I'm just like, my rational thought is completely gone. And then I just binge harder or like even exercise. Like you can work out of this. You can think out of irrational thoughts of, oh my gosh, it was just Christmas. So I have to work out twice as much to burn off. The holiday meal, which I hate that term, but it and that's irrational, right? Because that's not how like science works, that's not how your body works. And when you work out from that space or when you eat from that space, it always ends or becomes like a negative, vicious spiral.
1: It so, really
2: does. Um, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to chime in there. It's a Zoom is so hard. Um, obviously, in the new year. Everyone's like Instagram ads, Facebook ads, TV ads are like, diet, 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 diet. Let's shove this down your throat. Resolution, resolution, blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> one of the things I noticed recently is, um, I'm just gonna call it out because they're not like a sponsor of ours or anything, but the app, the Noom app. Oh, so oh yeah. I do, big one. Yeah. So I listen to like a ton of podcasts that. Um, it's sponsors and you know, they have all these ads about how it's not a diet, it's it's this and that, and it helps you. It's basically like a glorified form of my Fitness Pal when it comes down to it. And it's so interesting. I then I they showed up on my um, I think it was on my stories with a full on ad recently, and I screen recorded it because I got so fired up. It was like, We're not about weight loss, it's about this, this, and that. Yet Every single person they interviewed was like, I worked with a personal trainer for this many months and I only lost five or 10 pounds and, and blah, blah, blah. And, I, and then I switched to Noom and I lost weights this many pounds in this many months. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, this is exactly what you're saying. You're not. And it's exactly what you are. Those are all very realistic weight loss goals. And you're telling people they're going to immediately lose weight for downloading an app. Anyway, I could go on and on, but I would just love to hear your um, thoughts, Victoria, on like if people are scrolling and seeing all these types of toxic messages all the time, what are the things to look out for, especially in those circumstances where they're kind of like, not greenwashing. I don't know how what the diet culture term for greenwashing. Ooh, is. I think they're gaslighting, right? Gaslighting.
1: Maybe I yeah. have that
2: term wrong. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> Not something like that. You, you're catching my drift. What are those like signs to look out for?
1: Yeah. I love this question, Kelsey, and thank you for calling it out. I actually think it's important to like specifically state when we see a diet, if it smells like a diet, it's probably a diet, right? And um, it's part of why I think it's gotten so confusing and so messy is because diets, the diet industry, let's just, you know, the, the diet culture, diet industry, whatever you want to call it, is a $72 billion industry. They know what they're doing. They have shifted their marketing because they know we as consumers have gotten smart and they we realize that diets don't really work, right? So if you notice Weight Watchers have shifted, it's just WW now, it's about wellness. Uh, Noom would be open. Perfect example of this. They say how, they say so much in their advertising and marketing that it's not about a diet; it's about lifestyle. But uh, for one of my podcast episodes, I actually did fairly recently. I think in the past three months, I actually downloaded the Noom app just so I could like specifically see what it is that they were recommending to people. And I mean, they make you go through so much hoops to actually get to the point where you can actually see things. Um, and they say it's all about psychology, but at the end of the day, when I looked at it, they were giving me a calorie restriction diet, and it was a very low calorie amount that they were prescribing. And it was really concerning to me. Cause again, people are probably, and there's probably someone listening to me. Like I thought, I thought I was just doing a lifestyle. I thought I was doing something good, but this is where it gets so sneaky. And that's why um, I talk a lot about clean eating in my my uh, world too, because it's like, well, we need to understand a lot of these things are just shifting their marketing they're still a diet. So I think the best way, like I mentioned, is if it smells like a diet, it's probably a diet. I have a few identifiers I typically use to um, define dieting though, and it's typically things like, they don't respect body diversity and that health can come in many shapes and sizes. Uh, second thing would be that they're giving you external rules and cues to follow to so telling you like when or how or what exactly to eat. And number three would be that it's generalized advice. And it's for everybody, right? So it's not respecting the fact that we are individualized people. We are unique, amazing human beings. And we all have very Vastly different needs. So those are the main things you can look at. Like again, if they're giving you blanket statement things like eat this, don't eat that, or follow this specific calorie allotment, or telling you things like don't listen to your hunger cues, drink water instead. That's something that Noom does. That's how you know that it's a diet.
2: Mm. That's so frustrating. And I mean, honestly, when it really comes down to it, the only people that should be telling you exactly what to put in your body is someone like you who has the right to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I went to school for a while,
1: but also I will say my goal is eventually to get my clients to a place where they don't have to even rely on me. Like I do believe if we're going to talk about intuition here, like I believe we have so much like our bodies have infinite wisdom, and our bodies know how to feed and nourish themselves. The reason my job exists now as a non-diet dietitian is I need I need to help people unlearn all these years of diet culture. Like to be honest, if my job didn't exist in 50 years from now, or if it only existed in certain circumstances, I'd be okay with that because I think we like we as humans know how to eat. We've just forgotten it because we live in a diet culture world, and diet culture has existed more than just the 1900s. It's actually existed for quite some time from back in the early 1800s so we have a lot of work to do to undo this but um i do think that we can come back to that and come back to our instincts that way
0: one thing that um that i i struggle with and i and i know a lot of my followers struggle with is thinking that and we talked we touched on this earlier thinking that like all of a sudden one day you come to this realization that um how you've been thinking is unhealthy and how and this is how you should think. But then there's the hard transition of not fully being able to shift into that new way of thinking without coming up with some, I guess, like battle plans when negative thoughts arise or when temptation to go backwards comes into into play. So what would you tell a client who is like fully on board with intuitive eating and honoring their body and listening to it well, who has like an off day or a day where they feel like mentally attacked? Like what are some, what are like a few tangible ways that they can fight back?
1: Yeah. I actually, I love this question making me think for a second. Cause I, I think why I like it so much is number one, just to like normalize that this happens because if we're going to speak to perfectionism here, which we've been talking more specifically from like a diet or body focused mindset, but perfectionism exists in so many ways. And Catherine, like you said, like sometimes when we're healing, we feel as if we need to like, we don't expect, I guess the negative days to happen. And in my opinion, like I said, normalizing it so important, like you are going to have bad days it could be a bad body image day, a bad food day it's just bound to happen and not seeing it as like good or bad but rather just like an opportunity to learn and grow and evolve is really really important so just like number one coming at it from that perspective um something we talk a lot about with our clients and online course students about is reframing negative thoughts so let's say as an example you have a day where you feel fat which is a description a lot of my t- a lot of my clients will use, but you know, fat is actually not an emotion or a way that we feel. It's just something that we often use as a way to describe something. But a lot of times I'll ask clients just to get curious, like think about that instead of like being mad at yourself for having the the thought of, I feel fat or having, you know, the thought of like, oh, I need to go do some t- some type of co- compensatory behavior like change my food or exercise behaviors. How can I get curious with this? Where does this come from? Why do I feel this way today? A lot of times when we have feelings of, let's again, keep using the thought of like feeling fattest because we had a really stressful day or we are having, you know, we had a really bad fight with someone or we're having a lot of work related stress. Something else can often be going on and we project it onto our body image and how we feel about our physical selves. And then The other thing, other than getting curious and thinking about where those thoughts come from, asking why, you know, really just being open-minded, I'd say is reframing the thought. So let's say if I feel fat, it could be like, well, I understand that I don't feel well in my body today. However, I still deserve to nourish and properly take care of myself today. So that's just a quick example of a way to reframe a thought.
2: All the praise hands. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah. I
1: I mean, I think we all have, we all have negative thoughts, whether they're body image related or not. So like, what's so cool to me about intuitive eating and body image work is like, if you can learn to do this with body image or with food, you really can take that in so many areas of your life. So let's say I'm having like a bad mom day. I'm like, I feel like I'm like the worst mom ever. Same thing, right? Like I can be like, okay, why do I feel that way today? What is actually going on? Let me have like an open dialogue with myself and then reframe the thought. And I love that because again, we can use it in so many areas of our lives.
0: I think that so often, I know that I struggle with this, is like, we try and keep ourselves so busy that we don't have time to actually sit and reflect or we don't give ourselves time or the opportunity to ask ourselves questions. So like I keep my, I mean, I'm looking at my schedule right now and it's literally hour to hour from 6am to 7pm. I keep myself so busy that instead of even just sitting down and like enjoying a meal and letting it digest, I'm like, eating out of a carton, doing the next thing on on my computer so that I can go coach this class. But the idea of pausing and being still so that you can ask yourself that question and then listen to yourself is like, I mean, crazy, right? I mean, and we don't do it. it.
1: Especially for its type A perfectionist, right? Like, I mean, that's why I'm over here nodding my head because I do the same thing. Like I keep myself so busy and I think it's like this delicate balance, right? Of like being a go-getter and achieving your dreams and goals, but also like recognizing that sometimes we keep ourselves busy to avoid the internal work that we need to do and stopping and pausing. It's something I always say is like stop, pause and listen. And like, yes, you can still be a go-getter, but you still have to give yourself those opportunities to pause and to reflect because otherwise we get to the point of overwhelm and burnout. And like, no one wants to feel that way. That
2: sucks to feel that way. I've been going to um, a therapist the last couple of months because new mom life, being a business owner. and It is high. so hard. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's a lot. So, um, and I'm processing, you know, some trauma I had post baby and whatever. And I, as I was speaking to her before, like the Christmas, you New know, Year break, I was like, you know, something I'm terrified of is this is going to be the first time since having my baby that I I'm not just like back to back busy going from thing to thing and I'm almost like more scared of that than anything else because it's actually going to give me time to like go there in my mind um and she just gave me some really awesome like tools to use and kind of bring myself back to present and all that and honestly it was the best thing and now I'm going into this new year feeling like okay, I just like needed that time to pause and do nothing and allow myself to realize where I'm at in this moment in order to drop everything else and move forward. So I think if you haven't given yourself that permission yet, if you're listening to this, it's this, that might be exactly what you need to get to where you're going. Sometimes we think we just gotta work, 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 keep those gears grinding to get there, but it's definitely not the case. <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah. And and resting is just as honorable as working. Like if not more.
1: Yeah. Cause that's when we get all of our, especially as business owners, right? Like that's when we get all of our ideas and that's when we like the, like the clarity comes to us. But if I don't give myself the time to rest and to like recognize that I like nothing ever comes to me or I can't get the clarity. I need to like move forward with the business. So I appreciate y'all saying that. I I couldn't relate more. I struggle with that myself too.
0: And this is just a side note, but if you're listening and you're like, I've tried listening to myself and I still keep hearing (laughs) negative things in my mind. One thing that I did when I first started healing from my eating disorder or disordered eating was I wrote down things that are actually true, like outside of my own feelings, and then feelings that I typically had, like side by side. So the feeling might be, I feel fat. What's true is my worth isn't isn't defined by my weight, you know? So when you don't feel like you can hear those positive thoughts when you pause and rest, try something like that. Like I even have things written on my mirror when I'm looking in the mirror of like, you know, you're really funny and that's more important than being pretty or, you know, things like that. So like write down truths when you forget them so that you can look back and reflect on them and say, okay, this is actually what's true. Not what my head or my negative thoughts are trying to tell me.
1: I love that so much. That's such a good thing. Like two columns and compare side by side what's true and what's not. I love it.
0: Yeah. So, okay. What are some services that you offer? Like if a client today, or if someone listening today is like, I want to be her client, what can they, what are some things they can receive from you?
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. And we would love to have you if you're resonating with the conversation. Um, working with clients that struggle with yo-yo dieting or disordered eating and orthorexia is what we do best in our practice. And we work primarily with women. Um, So the way that we work with clients is typically in three and six month packages. I say we, because there's myself and I have two dietitians, Kelsey and Megan that work with me and we see clients all throughout the U S so it's virtually based. You don't have to be in South Carolina to work with us. And yeah, so we, we specialize, like I said, in those areas and we work on getting people truly to the place of intuitive eating, um, helping balance hormones. We see a lot of people who have uh, missing or irregular periods or maybe have PCOS and they've been told they have to lose weight or they have to diet to manage their PCOS. We do that work in conjunction with intuitive eating. And I'd also mention digestive issues. So things like IBS, SIBO, celiac disease. And the reason why we often do that with intuitive eating is not only does often disordered eating and orthorexia literally cause digestive issues and hormonal imbalances. But on the reverse side, sometimes those things can also make it really complicated to, to heal and to experience intuitive eating because you feel like maybe you should avoid a particular food or you're having these symptoms So you can't listen to your body. So that's why we like to do those things together. So that's our virtual practice. And then we actually run online courses and programs. and. We really like to do that because that allows us to serve more people for a more affordable cost. And uh, we have a few different things that we do. One of those is Permission Stage Playbook, which is an online course on intuitive eating. And we run it a couple of times a year. Um, We also have a body image course. And then we have coming in 2021 digestion and hormone courses as well. And then let's say like cost is a barrier, nothing of that will work. Uh, We like try literally as hard as possible to put out as much free content as we can on our Instagram account our podcast, our blog, like we are constantly producing content because it's so, so, so important to us that you feel supported in your journey. So that's all the places that you can learn and grow with us.
0: I love it. And we'll obviously put all those links in the show notes, but, um, I just, I, I'm really encouraged by the fact that this is something that you've chosen to do as like a career it, it, you know, to make this your passion. I really think that things like this. Ventures like this are what's gonna change the world and what's going to change the way that women see themselves, which definitely needs to shift,
1: yeah well yeah, right back at y'all, I mean again, I'm so appreciative that uh you guys both i think mentioned that your' fitness instructors and I just like that. That like warms my heart so much because I feel like fitness world is often where people are fed the message that they need to change their bodies or you need to exercise off this Christmas cookie that you ate type of stuff. Like I can't tell you how many times I hear from a client like, "Oop, can't go back to that exercise studio yoga class because they said X, Y, and Z. So thank you guys for like being part of the ripple effect.
0: This is just a side note, but (laughs) the day before um, Christmas break last, wait, what week is it? Two weeks ago? I don't even know. Uh, I had a tin of cookies that I had people eat before they worked out. (laughs) I was like, does anybody want a cookie? And then I thought while I was coaching, I was like, wow, it's cool. Not just that I'm doing that or that I even intended to do that for a purpose, but that even that type of guilt can shift out of an environment of a gym. You know, it can still be, you don't have to grab a banana on your way out. You can grab a cookie because I
1: love that so much. Oh, that just like that. I love it cuz again like that's that's how we create the change in the world and I mean, man, that I know for me, like whenever I find things that are like empowering and I can find like, I have a yoga studio here in Greenville. I have some online things. Like I am so much more likely to actually move my body and exercise because I don't, I know I'm not gonna be bombarded with messages that I don't want to hear. Like whenever I'm around that, it makes me not exercise as much. So like, it's it's true. Yeah, I feel shamed. And then also like, I just, I like empowering messages. I don't really care to be told self-hatred messages. Like I want to feel like a badass when I leave, right? Like I want that experience. Experience. so that's awesome to hear
0: well we have um four questions that we ask every single guest so we're gonna ask you those before we wrap up um and we did not tell you on purpose it's authentic
1: you know okay come <laughs> on
0: so what is something that you are currently binging or obsessed with right now
1: Bridgerton have you guys hey, watched
0: it yet my mom just watched that she's like obsessed
1: so good So good. That's all I have to say. So so many pretty people to watch.
0: (laughs) We just we just finished Queen's Gambit last night.
1: That was so good. I've been to watch a lot of TV in 2020. Actually, that's a 2021 goal is to stop doing that so much. But that was a great show too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Queen's Gambit was really good. I was like, oh gosh, I don't think there's gonna be a season two, but I wish there was.
2: I keep hearing about all these like really great shows that I should be watching, but I have to be honest, like I'm just so tired by the time i can watch tv that i just i just watch like gilmore girls or something that i've seen a million times just so i can fall asleep to it so Chelsea, for
1: the first year of Maddie's life, all we did was re-watch The Office and Parks and Rec over and over, because, like, you can't process anything more, so you just need, like, the younger yeah. things. I get that a thousand percent.
2: Exactly. I'm, like, I have a little bit of FOMO, because I just haven't had, like, the mental energy to commit to a series, but I want to wait till I can, because then what's the point, you know?
1: That is, like, the best description of motherhood, is, like, you don't even have, like, the first year of motherhood, at least, you don't even have the mental energy to, like, actually watch a show.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Get it, so that was me a thousand percent. I'm glad I'm not the only one in that. Okay, so our next question is What's something you're looking forward to this year in
1: 2021? Oh, oh, so we just bought a new home, and I'm so grateful for that. And I am like obsessed with decor and design, and I cannot wait to design our house. So excited about that.
0: Did you already move in, or did you just like go under contract?
1: I'm like moving this week.
0: Oh, congrats.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're in process of moving. The house is being painted as we speak.
0: That's
2: exciting. So exciting. I love um, house projects.
0: You're awesome one, right,
2: Chelsea? Yeah, we uh, we bought our house in April or March, technically. And uh, we, when I was pregnant, I like painted every room. And I decided I needed to keep myself busy. And then I kind of burnt out, and we didn't finish the rest. So my parents are actually going to come this weekend and help us. So we're going to redo our hallway. That just still looks like super 70s, and then eventually our upstairs bathroom, because right now we have this, like, massive 80s-style jacuzzi tub, like, with jets and stuff, which is awesome, and it was awesome when I was pregnant, but it's the only tub in our house, and trying to bathe him in that is, like, near impossible. I have to, like, either get in there with him, or I'm, like, really straining my back. (laughs) So that's high on the priority list right now.
0: Um, Okay, next question is, what is something that you love about yourself?
1: Oh my gosh, this is a hard one. Um, Let's let's go with my passion. I'm very passionate about things that I love and I feel like that hopefully comes across. (laughs) I feel like I'm a very passionate person.
2: You You said that you hope your job doesn't exist. One day that in and of itself is like, shows how passionate you are about what you do. So thank you. All right. Our last question is if you could leave women with just like one little nugget of wisdom today, just to kind of like sum everything up in a sentence or two, what would that be?
1: Hmm. What comes to mind? How about like you are enough, like exactly as you are right here right now. You do not have to change yourself or change anything about the way your body looks to be enough. And I hope people can go in 2021 20 feeling more supported just to honor their body and learn how to take care of their health, but from a non like diet restrictive
2: mindset. Mm, amen
0: to that. I love that. Well, I just feel like we, I had a conversation with like someone that I've admired for two years and it totally lived up to the hype. So you're awesome. And I'm like, I went in with like butterflies, So I was like, oh my gosh, I follow her. But now I'm like, this is cool. We're friends.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. And you guys are going to have to come on my show too. So we'll, we'll keep it running.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and listeners. We will link everything in the show notes so that you can follow along with Victoria and Nourishing Minds Nutrition Um, and we will talk to you next week.